0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya <coughs> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhagavad Gita as it is, Translation and Commentary by Vangri. We see 24, 5. Chapter 7, text 27. Translation. O Zion of Bharat, O conqueror of the foe, all living entities are born into delusion, bewildered by dualities, arisen from desire and hate. Apart. The real constitutional position of the living entity is that of subordination to the Supreme Lord, who is pure knowledge. When one is deluded into separation from this pure knowledge, he becomes controlled by the illusory energy and cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The illusory energy is manifested in the duality of desire and hate. Due to desire and hate, the ignorant person wants to become one with the Supreme Lord and envies Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Devotees, ah. pure devotees who are not deluded or contaminated by desire and hate can understand that Lord Krishna appears by his internal potency, but those who are deluded by duality and nescience think that the Supreme Personality of Godhead is created by material energy. This is their misfortune. Such deluded persons symptomatically dwell in dualities of honor and dishonor, misery and happiness, woman and man, good and bad, pleasure and pain, etc., thinking, this is my wife, this is my house, I am the master of this house, I am the husband of this wife. These are the dualities of delusion. Those who are so deluded by dualities are completely foolish and therefore cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. I'm also going to read uh, an extract uh, based on Srila Vishnu Chakvarit commentary on this verse, which appears in Surrender unto me an overview of the Bhagavad Gita by Purijan Prabhu. Here it is. From the beginning of creation, the conditioned living entities are born into the illusory world of duality, desire and hate. They thus desire icha, one one set of sense objects, and are repulsed, dvish, by another set. And they are capable of being repulsed by objects to which they were attracted only moments before at times they are repulsed by thoughts of a supreme who is beyond themselves. O sign of Bharat, O conqueror of the foe, all living entities are born into delusion, bewildered by dualities arisen from desire and hate. Well, what are we all doing here today? hearing about Krishna from Bhagavad Gita. What are we all doing in this material world? In the first place. We are here due to desire and hate. Arisen from the duality of seeing ourselves separate from Krishna. Often people ask, why are we here? It's a good question. Most people don't ask that. Most people are spiritually no more developed than the magpies flying in the field there. Because they just go on with life without thinking what is the purpose of life. An intelligent person, someone who's spiritually developed, or at least the first sign of someone who has any spiritual development is to us. Why are we here? What's it all about? What's the meaning of anything? What is the purpose of life? So, succinctly, Lord Krishna, in this verse, gives the reply <coughs> that we are here due to dvanvamoha, the illusion of duality. Of course, this may be interpreted by various scholars in various ways, but Srila Prabhupada has presented Bhagavad Gita as it is, as Arjuna understood it as Arjuna understood it, means he consented to act on the order of Krishna. Arjuna was a devotee of Krishna. Lord Krishna told Arjuna that I am presenting this knowledge to you, Arjuna, because you are not just any old friend, but you you are my very dear devotee. So, Bhagavad Gita is to be understood as Arjuna understood it. Sarva de tammanye yam mamba de Arjuna told Krishna, I accept as truth everything that you say. So here, d- uh, dvandva moha, the illusion of duality, is not to be understood as impersonness understand it, to mean that uh, any kind of, any kind of tuness is illusion. In person, they postulate that everything is all one, which is quite contrary to our experience, or even imagine, it. it's not even possible to imagine that everything is all one. They say that jnana, 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 geya, and jnana. Knowledge, uh, that which is to be understood, and knowledge, the object of knowledge, and the knower, they all ultimately become one. And so they say that duality means to differentiate between knowledge, the object of knowledge, and the knower. However, it's not possible that these all merge into one, because, yes, how can the knowledge and the knower be the same? If there's no one to know what is to be known, then how can anything be known? There has to be some difference. So here dvanva doesn't refer to the absolute oneness which is imagined by impersonists, But it refers to a sense of considering oneself Separate from Krishna. Which we are, in one sense, separate from Krishna. Well, in terms of thinking one's, uh, identity has no relationship to Krishna, or that there is no Krishna, as is pointed out in the purport here, by Vishwanath Sattva Thakur. So, uh, and two, think that my self-interest lies in considering myself as an entity wholly separate from Krishna. I'm not recognizing Krishna at all. And thus so, uh, we develop desire and hate. I desire this. I like this. I don't like that. And this is that, uh, this uh, dvesh, It's so intrinsic to conditioned life that even without any cause, people hate others. And, you see, if they don't have something to hate, they invent something. Just like football fans. They hate each other's teams, or hate each other's clubs. Now there's no reason for, it's very prominent in England, Especially, I happen to know from my childhood, which I wasted in Itzhadlia, that just like the uh, the Liverpool fans will hate the Manchester United fans, but it's all just an imagination because what is it? It's all it's all based on a bunch of people chasing after a ball and kicking it here and there. And it has no it really doesn't make any it doesn't make any intrinsic difference to anyone whether the ball goes this way or that way. They made some. They imagine some rules that if it goes in such a place, it's called a goal, and if you get more than others, you you win the game. But it's it's all just an imagination. On the basis of that, they develop love and hate. I love this football team, and I hate that. There's no real particular reason to hate any other football team. There's no real reason for British people. Traditionally, English people have strongly disliked French people. I guess Germans have also... They don't like French either. <laughs> and, uh, and there's all kinds, of different countries have different, different people have different jokes, like there's jokes in England, they joke about the Irish, in Germany they probably joke about the Polish. For and everyone. Not everyone. <laughs> and probably uh, people from North Germany, may, you know, they have bad feelings about people from South Germany, and people from East don't like those from the West. And I remember once, again in my youth, I was in Northern England, and I was just, getting on a bus, and then someone said, Oh, a Londoner! You know, I didn't do it. All I did was ask where the bus was going, and someone said, Oh, it's a Londoner! And then everyone had this, ooh, and fabulous. <laughs> so what did I do, you know? What did I do wrong to them? But There's a feeling, just this feeling, that, that uh, we're all from one group and you're from another group, and we don't like you just for that reason, and they'll ascribe all fault to others. Say, oh, the French, yeah, they eat frog legs, and they these talk with a funny accent. Although to the French, the English sounds funny also. Honestly. But one one identifies with the place one is born in and considers that that is best. My country is the best. Why? Right, I was born in it. I feel that. And that proves, doesn't it? Obviously, must be the best. So, this is called Foolishness, uh, it's Desire and Hate. It's a very interesting essay that Srila uh, Prabhupada wrote in The Dice of Godhead magazine. This is before he came to the Western countries. He was commenting on uh, during the Second World War, towards the end, when the victory of the allies, as they were called, the the British and the Americans and a few others against the Axis, which meant Germany. I think Italy had already fallen. At that time it was basically Germany and Japan. It was practically guaranteed, at least against Germany. The writing was on the wall, as they said. So they were already discussing uh They're already discussing how do we get into this big mess. Two world wars, two world wars in less than 30 years. So, uh, prominently, some had come up in the newspaper, someone, some church leader, maybe Churchill himself, spoke of the frenzy of hate. And Prabhupada picked up on this phrase, the frenzy of hate. And Prabhupada said that the the frenzy of hate manifested as world war and so many nasty things which went on in the world war. It's just the flip side, I'm paraphrasing that, if I remember thoughts, uh, of the frenzy of love. What we call love, I, I love my country. So in, uh, for that reason I have to uh, kill every German in sight because they are attacking our country. Or I love my whatever it may be and therefore I hate I love Liverpool Football Club and therefore I hate Manchester United Football Club. Any reason? It's just just, some imagined. So uh, Srila Prabhupada pointed out that what's called love in this material world is uh, it gives rise to hate. And as long as there is the frenzy of love there will be the frenzy of hate because what is called love in this world is actually an expression of envy for Krishna, which sounds might sound very strange, or well, love is very good. But misplaced love means uh, that there must be hate, because uh, in this mature world there is a, that duality always goes on. And so that hate, just like at the, at the end of the Second World War, people are feeling tired of all these, worldwide hatred by which countries invaded each other and attacked each other. And people had to go through such difficulty. They would be sitting in the trenches for months on end and get fed up so they just insanely come out of the trenches mm-hmm. and run toward the enemy position and surprise, surprise, they'd all get shot at. You mm-hmm. know, I'm talking, talking about, about the second war, one. Sorry, I don't know. This we grew up watching war movies. In Germany, they forgot the musical, but in England and in America, they went on making war movies. I think even now they're making movies about the Second World War. Trench means they, they dig a big pit, and then across, the, and in there in, in it, there's soldiers with machine guns facing another trench, maybe 200 yards away. And if anyone, so they just, and that, no one can go, one army can't go further this way and the other army can't go further that way. And if you try and get up out of the trench and attack, you'll just be mowed down by a machine gun. But they get so fed up of just living in the trench, (laughs) that after some time they just jump up and attack and then they just get finished. So, and then there's so many diseases in that condition and so much. Frustration. The men will fight among themselves because they're just sitting all day every day. They can't go anywhere. They're just they're like, like prisoners. So, so many horrible things. Interestingly, At the end of the First World War, there was a wide, there was a worldwide epidemic of influenza, which in much less time than the First World, Co- World War killed many more people than the First World War did. <laughs> This is the material world. So much hatred. People are saying, love, and why, uh, you see, why, why is, uh, has America gone into Iraq? It's not fair, and the people are being killed, and in the meantime, they're, and they turn out terrorism, and in the meantime, they're killing millions of animals every day. Every single day. And torturing animals. But they think, well, that's all right, because it's animals. That's all. And it says in the Bible that God made the animals so that we can eat them, right? It's in the Bible. God, all loving God. Crazy. Well, that's a misinterpretation. Due to uh, hate. We love the humans and we, uh, we don't give a damn about the animals and we can do anything we like with them. Because there's a misunderstanding of what love is. There are so many horrible things in the world, but it's all based on a misunderstanding of love. And uh, due to hatred, due to both love and hate, people can completely lose their sense. Just like out of love, so-called love, uh, there are many cases of, uh, of, uh, for instance, a, a girl from a, well-to-do family runs off with some useless young man who has no money no education no morals or any such thing but they fall in love and then she she has to go and live in some hut somewhere which she's not at all accustomed to and the man i I heard of a case like this where uh, there was a peanut seller outside the school in south india and he managed to flattered some girl well enough that she wanted to marry him. She came from a very rich family. And uh, so, of course, her father didn't agree, so they did it anyway. And then she went to live in the hut, and uh, then they, the family of the peanut seller told her, now go back and get some money from your father. He wouldn't even look at her, wouldn't they come anywhere near the house so they threw her out of the hut (laughs) because that's all they wanted that's why he married her (laughs) she fell in love and then she had nowhere to go she was completely finished no one her father wouldn't take her and uh, of course you can't imagine that in modern England because it's a whole different society but uh, she was deluded by the so-called love she was cheated by so-called love so, out of so-called love, she thought, oh, this boy, he's so nice, he smiles at me so nicely, oh, so wonderful. Uh, she, she was just foolish, and, uh, she had to suffer, still suffer, and then you know, what happened to her after that. And out of hate, also, people do so many nasty, nasty things, so many, nasty... Things. in, uh, Croatia, yeah, Serbia, we've heard so many stories from that short war which they had, uh, which was uh, created for some people to make some money. Mm-hmm. So we heard that uh, a Croatian man is married to a Serbian wife, and, you know, they're married and they've been married for some time, and she's got you know, one kid and another kid pregnant, and one day he comes home and just kills her. And and their children because they're all Serbian. You never thought there's anything wrong with it when he married her, but due to propaganda, he, all of a sudden he hates everything Serbian. And there were many cases like that, where Croatian soldiers would come into a Serbian village and just kill everyone, and vice versa. Why? Because they're Serbians or they're Croatians, and there's no really, it's just. They've been whipped into some hatred. So these are very powerful forces. Why is that? How can people be so nasty or so foolish or so unreasonable? Well, the reason is that these very strong emotions which cause illusion, of course we're talking about Severe illusion where someone uh, acts in a in a most ghastly manner, but then everything, everyone does all the time is based on this. Maybe not, maybe not in such a high degree of foolishness as as uh, killing a whole village, a squad of soldiers going into a village and just kill everyone. Maybe maybe not such overt. Hatred. But then everything we do is, is based on the idea of I, me, and mine. That these, peop- these things are mine, these people are mine, these are my enemies. Everything we do is, is based on how, what we consider to be our own self-interest, based on the concept of how I will be happy, how I will be honored, how I will get objects for sense gratification or if we extend that how my football team will win how my country will win the war that's Machiavellian politics that gets people from different they're different factions so you should always have a war going on or, uh, to keep everyone united you should always have a war or a threat of war and then everyone becomes united against the enemy otherwise they fight amongst themselves because they have to have an enemy that's, that's the psychology underlying. We need to have an enemy. We need to have someone or a group of people who we always blame for everything. And uh, this underlying hatred, well in uh, childish theology it's conceived that there is a Satan who is God is struggling with and really tough for God and having a real hard time but eventually we hope God will overcome, although Satan seems to be in charge at the present time the idea that there is a there is a struggle between good and evil and there's a, there's a personified evil being who who uh, is almost as strong as God as I said it's a childish idea that the, the the proper understanding is given here in Bhagavad Gita. Why are we suffering in this material world? It's not someone else's fault. We can't blame anyone else. We ourselves are the cause of our so-called happiness and definite distress in this material world. We brought it upon ourselves. Because the original emotion, which is free, which is not... Uh, under the sway of this illusory sense of separation from Krishna is love of Krishna and that love of Krishna that is our pure and original constitutional position Uh, that is pure in the sense that there is no flip side of hatred Therefore, there's there's no duality. Love and hate, they are duality. But actually, underlying it all is a sense of uh, hatred or uh, inimical feeling toward Krishna. So that is a perversion of our original love for Krishna. And just as this emotion of hatred, or love in this material world is very powerful. A love for Krishna, that is very powerful. It's a very strong emotion, a, a pure emotion that is described in Srimad Bhagavatam and other devotional works. How devotees, their whole being, is absorbed in Krishna, full love for Krishna. So Krishna conscious means to develop that love for Krishna. Krishna himself uh, relishes, or uh, desires to relish love of Krishna. Because it is, Krishna is the supreme enjoyer. He enjoys, he enjoys everything. He's not selfish. He's not an exploitive master. But he is constitutionally the object of service and all others are serving him. Krishna is the supreme controller and all others are his servants. As Krishna makes them dance, just like puppets, everyone is obliged to dance. Everyone is a servant of Krishna, beginning from Radha, whose very name means she is the topmost worshipper, the topmost servitor of Krishna. So everyone is a serving Krishna, and Krishna is served, and that is everyone's proper constitutional position, Krishna loves everyone. Everyone loves Krishna in pure spiritual existence, everyone is happy in that situation because they're in their correct situation, which is one of love, without any hatred toward anyone or rather with love toward everyone in this is your world as I was saying love means it's uh it's based on considering myself the body, which is only temporal, so we think we can exploit others' bodies to. Uh, nourish this body and love in this material world means we always hate someone else, and even the person we love, that can change to hate, or even the so-called hate can turn to love, and then it can turn <laughs> back again to hate. It's not fixed, but it's all on the platform, the false platform of forgetting Krishna. So love for Krishna is so powerful that Krishna himself who is the object of everyone's love seeing how relishable is that love Uh, others Krishna gets pleasure from being served from being loved by others and others they get pleasure from loving Krishna so Krishna sees that loving me those who love me they actually experience the pleasure more than I get by being loved. So he takes the position of his own devotee, specifically with the uh, feelings of Srimati Radharani, the feelings of Radha towards Krishna, and he takes the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to relish that. So just see how powerful is the uh, feeling of pure love when the Supreme Lord himself desires to uh, relish the happiness and experience what is is the uh, feeling of bhakti or love towards himself. So it's very powerful. It is the, uh, this love of Krishna is the the, uh, motivator, it's the factor behind what, what everyone in pure consciousness does. And when that becomes perverted by it into material design, forgetting Krishna, then that becomes the impetus for everything that we do in this material world and causes suffering. Uh, we ourselves suffer because we're separated from Krishna we can never be happy if we're separated from Krishna. And it is our tendency, just like in the state of love, love of Krishna is our tendency to uh desire welfare for others and to act for the welfare of others. But in the perverted condition of not loving, of forgetting Krishna, of actually hating Krishna, hating him so much that we don't even want to acknowledge that he exists, then... uh we, we can actually take pleasure in the suffering of others. Or, we can be, um, we can be, uh, what's the word, indifferent toward the suffering of others. So, uh, when we use words like love and compassion, we should be very careful, because really these terms, they only have uh true meaning in relation to Krishna and Krishna consciousness. An example that I often like to give because is that of Mother Teresa, because in the modern age she's considered a great saint who was full of love. But she was also a meat eater, so her love was uh, at best we can say it was imperfect because she didn't consider the, the suffering that she inflicted on the bodies of living beings uh, or on living beings whose meat she uh, She didn't like, when she was asked about that, she didn't like to talk about it. Which means that intrinsically she understood. Because in India where there are so many vegetarians, even in Calcutta there aren't so many. Well, most people in Calcutta are non-vegetarians. But it's, it's generally understood in Indian culture, at least in Hindu culture, that, uh, meat eating is, or flesh eating is not, uh, very good. It's certainly not considered to be a symptom of a saintly person. So, uh, where was her love for all the chickens and sheep that or the living beings in those bodies? So her understanding was imperfect. Difficult. The pleasure of her tongue was more important than the the compassion which she could have had on the animals and the example she could have set being a being a role model for so many others so uh that's just one example of how uh, even persons who are supposed to be great uh, greatly loving and compassionate they uh by their practical behavior you can see that their concept of love and compassion is very limited. The Dalai Lama is another example. He's another meat eater. He goes around the world talking about peace and compassion and love. And he eats meat. It's hypocrisy. So I'm just pointing this out to show that um, people talk about love, compassion, all this, but this without understanding of who the object of love should be, if love should be directed toward Krishna, then what we call love will be uh, superfluous, incomplete, and uh, tainted by hate, because we have our own mixed in with that, or maybe dominating that, is our own desire to enjoy this material world, forgetting Krishna. And so we don't, consider, we, we don't consider that others will suffer, others will be exploited. That we, we rationalize that it's okay to eat Just like I was in Thailand for some time, which is a Buddhist country, in which almost everyone's a meat eater. But they, they have Muslims who act as butchers because they're very strict. that we, Buddhists don't kill animals. You see? So the Muslims kill the animals and they buy the meat. It's hypocrisy, but they don't mind. It's, it's institutionalized hypocrisy, because the without under, without having a sense of love of Krishna, without directing our love toward Krishna, then uh, even though we may talk of love, that the what goes on in the name of love must be mixed with hate, the frenzy of hate, and therefore. Even uh, openly, hypocritically, we can make, we make a whole philosophy which everyone accepts, even though if you examine it with any little uh, measure of uh, even human reason, what to speak of transcendental understanding, it's very clear that uh, the idea that getting someone else to kill the animal for you <laughs> That <laughs> is, uh, it's no excuse. You're encouraging the same same thing, but because the hate is here, we don't care for others. I just want to enjoy. Or, or in the Christian understanding, that animal animals they they they're just animals. They they're there for us to eat. God created them so we can eat them. So this they make a whole philosophy based on hate, and because. They don't know what is love, actually. What goes on as in, in love in this world is just another frenzy of envy of Krishna. And it must result in hate. Just like, the, again, the, in, in America or Britain, they're killing so many animals and they must go and fight and kill you. Prabhupada, he was, Srila Prabhupada, he was preaching them during the time of the Vietnam War. And the young Americans, they were horrified that, well, any time I can get called off to Vietnam and then I have to go and fight some war, I don't know, what the hell are we fighting for? It's one, two, three, what are we fighting for? Well, I don't give a damn. Next stop is Vietnam, Is a famous song during that time. So, uh, no one had any clear idea of what they were fighting for, but... Uh, Srila Prabhupada said because they're killing so many animals and the flowers of their country, the youth, they they must be sent to be killed. And it's the law of karma. And they have united, they had the League of Nations which failed and the United Nations which was constituted after the Second World War with the idea to stop war. And there hasn't been any World War, although there have been dozens of wars all over the world there's like small wars going on all the time uh, previously they used, they used to declare war nowadays they don't declare war they just blow people up <laughs> they don't, that's the whole idea you don't declare anything you just catch them unawares and kill them so the whole world is full of fear due to the frenzy of hate which is another side of the frenzy of love and again uh we have people talking about love and peace and they have peace conventions and the example of the Dalai Lama talking about love and peace and he's part of the problem. Being uh, a meat eater and, and not just a meat eater but the whole idea of having a whole religion without any God which Buddhism it's called a religion, but there's no God. Or even in their religion, they they, they make an envious religion, just like they say, well, the Jews are the cho- chosen people. Or the Christians are, the, if you're not a Christian, you go to hell. Or you have to be a Catholic, or you go to hell. Or a Protestant, or right, you go to hell. Or a Protestant, you have to be a Baptist. Or everyone else goes to hell. Or Jehovah's Witnesses, only, I think, 144,000 or so, according to them, are saved. And everyone else goes to hell. God created, according to them, God created all these beings just to throw them all into hell, one after the other. The all compassionate, loving God. Or if you're not a Muslim, they say, Muslims, everyone everyone else goes to hell. Or or the Sunnis say that the Shias go to hell, and vice versa. And in this way, they're always fighting among themselves. And the atheists say, see, well, religion, it's the cause of more hatred. It's the cause of all the problems in the world but they don't know what religion is. Everything that goes on in the name of religion is just another expression of uh, actual rejection of God as he is. They imagine him to be someone who sits in the sky and blesses their love and hate. Whereas he is actually the Supreme Lord demands Malay Kam Shar Muslim. He takes shelter in me. it means to give up all our own ideals of uh, how we should be happy. They want him simply as a blessing machine that he will bless all our. <coughs> the, uh, in the Crusades, the Christians went off to fight against the Muslims, and the Christians are praying to God, and the Muslims are praying to God. <laughs> And neither of them have any understanding of who he actually is. So, uh, Bhagavad Gita is meant to give actual understanding of who uh, should be the object of love. What is actual love? Love where there will not be disappointment. Love which is not uh, interspersed with hate. Love which is not just some uh, vague sentiment but in which there is the, the object of love is very clear. That is Krishna. It's, it's not this vague, imaginary, universal love in which you just love everything. Imaginary. Imaginarily so. So, even many of the people who talk about love They're actually very hard-hearted. Yeah, I was saying that verse. I was looking for that verse previously. see. nibhita ta rupa gi khani No. Nibhita-ta-shā-rupa-gi-yamāna Hmm? I don't remember. What is the verse. I look it up. Couldn't say Stole the memory. Ah, but that's Chota Manobir Ahmad. Ka utem shloka gunan avan avan gunan ba adat kumandu rajeti na pasubna. This verse states that one who is free, nirrita Krishna, one who is without Krishna, he can get Krishna. Krishna means third. Or in this context, a very strong, very strong material desire. So, uh, people who are free from material desires, who are free from the frenzy of love and hate, they, uh, glorify Krishna. The glorification that glorification, that is the medicine. For the frenzy of love and hate, is glorifying the absolute, the, the actual object of love. It's the medicine for material life. This frenzy of love and hate—we're born again and again and dying again and again. When We're born as a cockroach. We, we love the cockroach community and hate our rival, hate our rival cockroaches. We, this same thing—the the dog. One dog is. In one house, one is the other, and they are like all life they're barking at each other. When one dog comes out and the other dog on the other side of the fence barks at him. They could be friends also, but the thing What are you doing? My enemy. So the same thing. England is next to France, so England doesn't like friends. Liverpool is next to Manchester, because they don't like each other. They could be friends, but no, our, our rival. Competition. So uh, the, the remedy for that is to glorify Krishna, but also that Chotra, Manobi Rama, that is very pleasing to the purified mind, Kautama Shloka Gunanavara, who will not engage in glorification of him who is properly glorified by the best poets, the best glorification. Pumandira jeta Pumandira Pashukna Everyone should glorify Krishna, so who will not? Pashukna means killer of animals. So this means two things. One is a an eater. and another is the killer of the soul, mainly the mayabharis or so those who say that there is no God or God is all one, God is, everything is Either they say there is no God or everything is God. It comes to the sense that because God means is supreme. And if you say everything is God, that means there is nothing supreme. So they are very hard-hearted. They say God has no form, he has no arms, no legs, no existence. Here someone says, uh, I believe in God, but he doesn't. He doesn't have any arms or legs or eyes. It's like, you know, you want to chop off his arms and legs and poke out his eyes. You don't recognize his uh, completely transcendental form. I don't want to recognize that. Or if they, they say he doesn't exist, just like someone may love someone and then they don't know. Now they fall in love and then they fall out of love and then they just, they cut that person out, they won't take their phone call, they refuse to meet them, they throw away all their pictures of them, they just cut them out. As far as I'm concerned, you don't exist. So like that. The uh, the Mayavadis, they say, okay, or the atheists, they say, God doesn't exist. Okay. They negate his, his distance, but they say, yeah, yeah, well, God, yeah, God exists, He's all love. God is all love, but there's no form, there's no person. So they're actually very hard-hearted, all these people. And they can't understand Krishna. They want. they want light like to glorify Krishna. Sometimes we glorify Krishna by chanting his name, and he impersonates oh, don't, don't, don't give a name, to don't give a name, no name. They don't want to recognize it. Or they'll, or they'll chant some name of some mundane person as if that person is the same as Krishna. And thus you get Sai Kirtan, so called Sai Baba Krishna. Or they glorify some demigod, they have Kali Kirtan. But Kirtan means, Satatam Kirtan Maam Krishna says. Krishna is to be glorified glorification of anyone else is simply another symptom of hatred of Krishna. So in Bhagavad Gita, uh, glorification of Krishna, that is one of Killing animals is bad, but even worse is mayavan, because that one by that we wish to uh, directly negate the personality of God here. So all these principles should be understood very clearly. In this material world you know, we are always desiring something or rejecting something. Sankalpa, Some vikalpa. The these are the two functions of the mind. You see something, you think, oh it's running. It's a very nice garden. i like to go and sit in the sun and then the rain comes and we think, oh, now it's not nice. And you go back. The sunshine is nice and the rain is not nice. Oh, you think it's a very nice place to live. And then, i I like to go out in the country and get away from all the people. You're out in the country and so oh, so boring I go back in the city. So like that. Always whatever we see, is it something I can enjoy? No. Then I don't like it. Is it something I can enjoy? I can get a hold of it and go, yes, therefore I like it. Or some, I like this. I like Liverpool football club. I hate Manchester United football Everything we see. I like it or don't like it. But that is a perversion of the principle of surrender to Krishna. Anu Kati We should accept everything which is favorable for service to Krishna and reject everything which is unfavorable. Krishna should be the center. That is the message of Bhagavad Gita. when we put ourselves in the center then we forget Krishna. And we, desire, we develop desire and hate on the mundane blank. Let's not be hard-hearted, the husband to be soft-hearted. The husband needs to be soft-hearted, the husband needs to be On the platform of each we become hard-hearted. Mayavadis and new teachers are very hard-hearted, inflicting pain on others become That yeah, doesn't mean that the Mayavadi's idea of soft is you just talk of love and peace and compassion. Ha, 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 and laugh a little like this. Devotees, their love for Krishna is expressed in the way that Arjuna expresses it, by fighting uh, against the enemies of Krishna, to bring for their benefit they may be released from the bondage of duality and which so-called love and hate of this material world are conducted. So is there any question about this, please? Did you hear back that? Oh yes, yeah. yeah, so any questions? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> so, um, uh, is it so, because most people in this world, they don't really perceive, uh, many people, they don't like perceive God. But somewhere, if it's so, somewhere in their subconsciousness or somewhere, they know it. They know about Krishna. And they have this, because they have this envious, everything they are doing is like enviousness to God. Ah. Uh-huh. But they are not like, they are not like so conscious of God. They are not Somewhere conscious of Him, him like but uh, they are envious of Him. You are asking, how is that possible, If they are not even aware of Him? Yeah, right. How can they be envious of Him? Well, uh, neglect of someone is also <coughs> envious. Just so like I was giving an example, you shut someone out of your life. You don't want to hear of them. You don't want to think of them. As far as you're concerned, they don't exist. You may, you may even. Uh, someone may become so hateful to someone else. They may say, well, "As far as I'm concerned, that person doesn't exist." They may say like that. They act like that. They say it's actually out of hatred. So even though they're not aware of his his existence, uh, you may say, well how can they hate him? Well that is is an expression of their hatred. It's just to not acknowledge that he exists at all. You could say it's an indirect expression of hatred for him. Which language are you translating into? Ah, well, the about, about local language, local language, My thing is when we say, you say that frenzy of love and frenzy of hate.
1: So yeah, I we, said
0: frenzy of love and frenzy of hate, but as you may remember, I was uh, quoting from Srila Yeah, But I should understand it if I'm going to quote it. So, what is your question? The <laughs> thing is, like, we are all in frenzy of love to Krishna. Frenzy of love to Krishna. Well, I guess you could call it that. But frenzy gives the idea of, say, of uh, unreason, it's just like mad action. Let's look it up exactly. What does frenzy mean? let's get the dictionary definition according to Bill Gates' people a state of violent mental <laughs> agitation or wild excitement But even and mania. temporary madness or delirium a mania, a craze so a violent mental agitation um, well that could be... Uh, it could be ascribed to love of Krishna also, but Yeah. Are you you but many that, people, yes, that is on the pure platform. yeah, it's true. Chaitanya Mahabhu he was running to he he was running toward Krishna. When he entered the the temple of Jagannath in Puri, then he forgot all decorum, how you should behave in the temple and he ran toward Krishna description, there's so many descriptions. He mm-hmm. la Hey vajadevi ke chilalite he namdasuna kutta. Goshen ta sarvato rajapure kedai maha vivalo. Maha vivalo. Mm-hmm. Greatly bewildered. They, they, uh, the six Goswamis like madmen. They were calling out everywhere. In Vrindavan. Where is, where are you Krishna? Goshen ta sarvato rajapure kedai maha. Where are you? Are you here? Are you there? Are you... So that was a kind of madness. But that is called, uh, well that is, Prima Vikara, transformation of love. So that is desirable. That is wanted. But the, the madness by which one forgets Krishna and then therefore performs envious activity toward others, that is not good. That is therefore, not one question was If you know, could the family were apart. Love of Krishna, many times being... Envy for others. Like no, love for Krishna can never bring envy for others. That's, that, your that's statement is people, incorrect. People do that. Like, I believe in Krishna, only Krishna is Let, I and I, I believe peace. in Krishna and therefore we should uh, shoot everyone else. No, that's not love for Krishna. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't think we find that, even in the history of Vaishnavism. We don't, we don't find that. We have a Arjuna fighting on Krishna's order. That is a Krishna's order that uh, that uh that these sinful people in a certain circumstance they should be killed. And Ambidextrous Arjuna should become the instrument in, in doing that. So that is that. But then Krishna's killing, that is not out of hatred. That is another symptom of his love for them, which is often very difficult for people to understand. But Krishna himself explains in the beginning of Bhagavad Gita that the body is temporary. So Krishna releases them from that body, bodily and the uh, psyche which goes with it. And Along long killing the body, he removes the, uh, or purifies the, perverted mentality. So that's also an expression of Krishna's love. Actually, everyone is killed by Krishna, directly or indirectly. Gratishnu, Prabhavishnu it's described. By Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, he, 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 Gratishnu, which means, he literally means he swallows, and Prabhavishnu brings into being the bodies, they are, destroyed by Krishna and then again new ones are brought into being by Krishna. So all these things have to be understood very carefully. Yeah, uh, related to this, um, so um, when we are not um, in our devotional service, still like it is very purely. So you're we in the near stage of yes. it. So it is based on this its adversa as well. That may, in the near stage of devotional service that is there, In the in the near stage it's described that one thinks me and Krishna and worships Krishna very faithfully. But there is no uh, understanding of other devotees or other people, and there's no concern for them. So that's considered bhakti, or bhakti on the material platform. Actually, bhakti is beyond the material platform, but still, one, in, in this stage, one is performing bhakti, but it's not really come up to the proper standard of bhakti, which is sarva-pah-divinir-muktam real bhakti means when one is free from mundane designations, one stops seeing oneself as a uh, Srila Prabhupada points out in this purport, this is some of the uh, dualities uh, one stops thinking in terms of dishonor and honor, misery and happiness, woman and man, good and bad pleasure and pain, etc thinking this is my wife, this is my house, I am the master of this house, I am the husband of this wife. These are the dualities of delusion. So if one is still thinking like that, uh, then he's on the uh, mundane platform and not really in bhakti, but just beginning, just beginning to approach it. <inaudible> bhakti is free from such designations and the dualities through it. And that, in the near malam one is on the purified <coughs> transcendental platform in which one serves Krishna hmm. <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> we are serving Krishna out of envy for him are we nearby. serving Krishna out of envy for him because um, if they are very you know well nearby. it is possible to serve Krishna with an attitude of envy also Putin did that She she made a show of bhakti. And it may be also that if we're desiring mundane things from Krishna, then uh, it's it's, again, it's making a show of love for him when actually we want want from him those things which are symptomatic of our envy of him. Mm. But the bhakti is so purifying that if it is performed intensely, then the very nature of bhakti is that it will purify that perverted desire, but it has to be performed intensely to do it. sarva moksha kama udara dhi bhakti yogena Whether one is desireless, full of desires, or desiring only to... Uh, or Desiring uh, liberation, one should intensely serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So if that intensity is not there, then we'll remain on the mundane platform forever. We won't, we won't, uh, we won't purify us. Unless we're, unless we're in association with pure devotees and deliberately attempting it, following the process for purification, and purification won't take place. The, the bhakti, uh, it will be, remain intermingled with mundane design. And that's why we see that some people, they go on. They'll they'll go to the temple regularly, and they'll chant a bit, and give some donations, but they'll remain on the mundane platform, because they're not intensely talking with the Intensity is required. Yes, anything else? People become afraid. I mean, they see these principle, four principles, four regulated principles, minimum shifting around shining, and that's only the beginning. There's actually a lot more to be done than that. People become afraid. too much. They're thinking religion means something you do to enhance your material life, mm-hmm. not to. But actually, bhakti destroys your material life, which is very good. the only, in the actual interest of a living being to have his, material attachments of love and hate destroyed so that he can fully serve Krishna. Actually, one can only fully serve Krishna if one is free from these. And one can only become free from these if his love for Krishna is developed. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to um, um, say that I feel like I'm somewhere in between that. When you described the material world and how that works, how people... Their hatred and their love and, and Yeah, we're and all in between. <laughs> we're all in between. And if if we're aspiring to pure devotion but mm. we're not there, then we're in the in-between position. That's true. Mm. And, and that's... Uh, some, somewhere Krishna seems to be so far away. So, and, and there's no real attachment to the material, really, because you, see, you can see through this... Yeah, philosophically and, then, and by the grace of Guru and Krishna we can see through attached attachment to this mature world, so we're not intensely cultivating that, although we may be doing subtly. Mm. But uh, at the same time, we're not very strongly attached to Krishna. I intend to speak on that in a few days' time, actually, in another lecture. Is it possible to be a pure devotee? Mm. I have another <coughs> lecture lined up. Maybe I'll give that one in the next talk. This is a, it, it, it leads into another whole big discussion so there are so many points to be discussed you know,